I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a new focus for San Francisco's beleaguered school board. Five months ago, three of the seven members of that board were removed in a recall. In a landslide, voters expressed their anger that the board had focused on what they considered distractions, like renaming schools rather than ushering students through the worst of the pandemic. Now the board's mission is simpler. As my colleague, education reporter Jill Tucker writes, making sure more children are reading and writing and ready for college. The numbers there aren't rosy. There's a lot of work to be done, especially after the days of remote learning. According to the district's performance analysis, just 58% of students were proficient in reading last year, and 71% were proficient in math. Jill Tucker is here to talk about what the district and the board are doing now. Jill, thanks for joining me. Let's start with this. How are San Francisco public school students doing now? Well, the data isn't great in terms of how they're doing in literacy, in math, um, how well they're prepared for college. You know, as you said, 58% of students were proficient in reading last year and 71% in math. But but really underneath that, those numbers are really wide disparities uh, among students based on race and ethnicity. So for example, 9% of black students were reading at grade level last year, and 34% of Latino students were at grade level in reading. And that's compared to about 85% of whites and 70% of Asian Americans. So that gap is enormous. But the starting numbers aren't great either. So I think the district is is taking a real hard look at itself. The school board is is taking a hard look in the mirror at what its job is to get these numbers up. And in some cases, you know, these numbers dropped during the pandemic, like kindergarten readiness. So fewer kids are ready for kindergarten now than they were before the pandemic. And that that's something that has a long lasting impact on on these types of scores and the education of these kids in the coming years. So the numbers were not perfect before the pandemic. They've gotten worse and some students have left the district, right? Yeah. So, you know, in some cases, the numbers have gotten worse and we've seen um, students leave the district. So the district is grappling with declining enrollment and there are financial impacts related to that. Um, And at the same time, looking at greater numbers of students who are absent or truant in the district who who are missing too many days of school. Uh, chronically um, absent is what they're what they call that. And why is that? What's what's going on there? Well, you know, the pandemic had a big impact um, on students. And I think that, you know, whether students were sick more, um, whether they were at home because they had to isolate because a family member was sick or just because they're having emotional and, and mental health issues in the wake of what was really a traumatic experience during the pandemic of, of distance learning. You know, they're still struggling with the social skills that they need and, and those types of things. But what, what it means is that when you're missing at least 10% of the school year, you're going to fall behind. And so when you have greater number of kids and it's, you know, it's it's up there, you know, above 20 percent are missing more than 10 percent of the school year. So these are the types of things that the district is facing. These numbers were already similar to this before the pandemic and in some cases worse now. All right. Well, you talk about the school board saying it's laser focused on student outcomes. It's vowing to go out about its job differently. What does that mean? What does that look like? 
Right. So I think, you know, over the past three years, this school board has been in in the midst of controversy and divisiveness and lawsuits and a recall, ultimately. And in, in some cases, what critics would call, you know, performative politics, like covering up a controversial mural or renaming 40 schools, which this school, which the previous school board decided to do. I think, um, you know, at the time, families were concerned that they weren't talking enough about students that were struggling during the pandemic. They weren't talking about reopening schools. They weren't focused on the needs of kids. And I think what we have now with a new school board, including three uh, board members appointed by the mayor, that they have vowed that they are not going to be that kind of school board anymore, a school board that you know spends seven hours talking about everything but student achievement and student needs um, in school board meetings. So really, the, the new school board president, Jenny Lamb, she has really laid down the law with this school board. She has suspended committee meetings so that they can go through trainings on how to govern, um, on how to read a school budget. Um, she's kind of, you know, going to a back to basic. Basic uh, training. Basic training. You know, it's like boot camp uh, for these guys. And they're, and they're having a meeting on Sunday. There's an all-day meeting on a Sunday that starts at 9 to go talk about governance, to talk about what kind of school board they want to be, to talk about what their responsibilities are versus the superintendent, and to look at some of this data and and look, start laying the groundwork for what direction they're going to go in after this. It feels very humbling. I can't imagine the San Francisco Board of Supervisors going to basic training about legislating. Yeah, and I think to a certain degree the recall had a huge impact on this. It was a, you know, shot fired across the bow and, you know, parents and others said, look, we can recall more. You know, we don't have to stop here. And so I think that it really was an awakening um, for the school board. It was also, you know, removing three board members that um, were the authors of some of those um, what what people called performative politics, like the mural and renaming. And, and so I think they're really kind of starting from scratch here and realizing that people on school boards don't necessarily know how to govern. You know, many times the, they, these are, you know, people that this is their first experience as a public official. And so they don't know the rules. They don't, you know, they don't necessarily know how how everything works. So I think this training um, and and having this this notion of of governance is uh, is new for the school board and and you know and what they're saying is which I think is is interesting they're they're coming at this from the perspective that school systems and this is a quote school systems exist to improve student outcomes and that is the only reason school systems exist so they're they're realizing that their whole job is to make sure that students are learning and that they're prepared for life All right, let's get more into some of the challenges in San Francisco, but take a quick break on Fifth Admission. We'll be right back with Jill Tucker. You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by Chronicle education reporter Jill Tucker. 
Jill, we're talking about the San Francisco School Board. And, you know, after the recall election, it was such a landslide, right, that we don't we're not seeing as many of the divisive issues that we're seeing in, for example, the district attorney's recall where people are still divided. What has been the reaction in the aftermath of this big overhaul of the board? Yeah, so I think, you know, the reality is this this was a, a landslide um, to to uh, replace three school board members. And I think, you know, really those numbers were marching orders to the school board to focus, to stop fighting, to stop getting sued. And I think they are, uh, you know, the people that were appointed by the mayor plus the the board members that were already there. It, it, it was a message. And I think that they've taken that message um, to heart, really. So looking forward, I mean, what are their challenges? What are the biggest things that they are identifying and how they can move these scores, how they can get kids more ready for school, more ready for college? So the school board really is committed to looking at the data, to looking at how the students are doing uh, at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, before they start school, as they're graduating, um, and 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 really figure out what programs are working, uh, what interventions are working, where are they spending the money that isn't working? And they haven't really done a deep dive into where all the money is going. They get a lot of city money. They get a lot of philanthropic money uh, for different types of programs and really start looking at what are the things that they need to put in the schools, whether it's literacy coaches or other types of things, to start pushing these numbers up. Um, But they're also going to be grappling with uh, a teacher shortage This next year, they're going to have to look at how are they going to recruit and retain teachers. Um, They didn't have enough subs last year. The pandemic is still ongoing. People are still getting reinfected. And so we can anticipate that there are going to be absences of teachers. We're going to need subs. Um, And so they're going to have to look at that. But getting a solid teacher workforce in place that is trained, that is ready for the students that walk in their doors, that's another issue that they're going to have to tackle and then they're also going to have to figure out how to balance their budget. Yeah, what's the situation with the budget? Yeah, so they were facing a $125 million budget shortfall. It caught the attention of state officials who appointed an expert to guide them and and make sure that they were on the right path. Um, they passed a balanced budget for this next year but or for the current year that we're in. Um, but they're going to have to face more cuts in the future and figure out how to make those cuts without pushing these test scores and student performance in the wrong direction. Obviously, there's been controversy in Oakland over campus closures. Is that something they're looking at in San Francisco? You know, they're not looking at that right now. I think they they have a new superintendent. They have a new school board. Many of the top tier administrators have moved on or retired. So really, you know, the the slate to a certain degree is wiped clean and they're starting from scratch with new staffing, uh, new leadership, new philosophy. Um, and so I think at this point, I'm, I, I don't know that we'll see talk of school closures in the near future. I think that that might be something given the declining enrollment they'll have to take up in the long term. But I don't expect to see that type of controversy to hit this year. I want to ask, I mean, even though this school board was criticized heavily for being distracted during the pandemic, there's probably still 
you know, a number of parents who do want to see some of these social justice issues pushed. And where are those left? I mean, are those pushed to the side for a while or is there still a contingent that wants to see this board push in those areas? I think there definitely are many people that want to see the board focus on social justice and equity and other issues. And I, and I don't think this board is opposed to that. I think what they want to do or what they're saying is they want to look at those things or address those issues that are related to student performance. Like, you know, the, the, when you look at the data and the inequities in, in literacy rates and math, that is a social justice issue they're saying and and that if you if you don't address those changing the names of schools or taking away a mural isn't going to move that needle it has to be focused on what are the outcomes for these kids and what are the social justice issues that are going to improve those outcomes but meanwhile as we talk about all these things the board has this decision to make in an issue that doesn't fit neatly in any of these boxes, and that's Lowell High School at the same time. Right. I think the the school board made the decision to return it to merit. They appointed a high school task force to look overall at what high schools offer and what parents want, what students want, what uh, makes sense for making sure these kids are ready for college or a career. Um, so they're looking at it through that lens, but they did make the decision to to restore merit to Lowell. They that is now set aside, put on the task force, so they can now move forward um, with other issues. I think they don't want to be debating Lowell over and over again. Um, it'll probably come up again for sure, but it's it. it I think we're in the long term at this point. Um, you know, a year or two down the road, that they may take that up again. Jill, returning to that Sunday meeting, are people really going to watch this all-day meeting? I mean, are parents interested? You know, I have no idea. It's a day-long meeting. It, I don't think it's going to be online, so you're going to have to be in the school district boardroom starting at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I don't know how many people are going to go uh, to listen to them talk about how to be better leaders. How the sausage is made. How this it's yes, it is a a, a very much how the sausage is made meeting. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Jill Tucker, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks to my guest today. She's Jill Tucker, Chronicle lead education reporter. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and thank you for listening. Do I get a raise now that I'm lead education writer?